and welcome back to another episode of Civil Discord. I am one of your hosts here, not as often as he should, in the People's Republic of Texas, Maurice Jones. And with me, as always, here more so than I am, um, out there in the People's Republic of, of California, whew, say that five times fast, the Supreme Overlord of Liberty, Amanda. Amanda, how's it going today? It's going great. We have a video element now to our podcast that people can watch us on the YouTubes. So uh, because of that, my publicist recommend I, I'm my publicist, but my publicist <laughs> recommended that I display prominently uh, these two books that I definitely, definitely wrote. Um, the first is called I Wrote This Book, Words by Me, Volume 1. Uh, the second is I Also Wrote This Book, Words by Me, Volume 2. And you'll see that it's Definitely legit because at the bottom it says second edition. Oh, um, yes. So, yeah, these are two books that uh, I have advanced copies. They're not available on Amazon yet. So, um, advanced copies, go ahead, order, order them directly from us, whether that's via Twitter or Instagram or whatnot. Just reach out to us, let us know. We will send you copies in the mail on the 5th of probably never. Um, just throwing that out there, though, whatever you guys are wanting to do. Uh, just, uh, j- just make sure you hit us up. But yes, we are, we are adding more elements again. Um, as we stated last week, the past couple of weeks, actually, past couple of episodes, we are just super, super, super excited about what is coming with, um, this, with, with Civil Discord. Um, we're continuing to grow as a, as a podcast. We're excited to have people joining us and moving things over. If I can move my cursor over as I should, there we go. Um, but we're just super excited. We may be changing platforms as far as how we record and whatnot, just to make sure our video elements is better. Um, I am getting better internet sometime in the next few months. Uh, hopefully not sure exactly when that's going to happen, but I will have better internet. So I'll be on almost every single episode because my internet will not be going in and out because I will be getting past this whole spark like new wave, whatever they are. I'm just going to say this. If you guys ever decide to move out to anywhere as far as where I'm located, um, there is slowly uh, more, more people are coming to the market. So we're getting Xfinity. But there's only one real cable provider in this entire county area. I'm not going to say this entire county, but in, in our local zip code within three zip, three, four zip codes. And it is New Wave Sparklight. And they are utter trash. Like they're horrible. They're the prime example of what happens when you live in an area where somebody has a monopoly because they they are not forced to get better, they're not forced to update anything. They're super expensive. I think I pay like eighty dollars a month for I think it's three hundred total gigs of data. And it's I mean, I, I when I was in Tennessee and I was able to get five different providers, I was paying 40 bucks a month for unlimited data. Like, I mean, so it, it just shows you what happens when, when, when you're in a, when you're in a specific area and people say free markets don't work, but I argue against the, I argue against that pretty much so, but enough about all the um, monopolies and, and, and so forth that are being broken up by the free market here in angle to angle to angle to Texas. Sorry. Um, there's some more Joe Rogan controversy. And I know we talked, we talked about him, discussed some things as far as him being removed from Spotify last week. Uh, well, I'm sorry, him, him having people wanting to have him removed from Spotify last week. And we discussed 
um, Neil Young, and now another artist, India Ari, um, who I actually do know, and I do listen to her music, and she's a great artist. I love her to death. Um, she's a very positive artist, love all her work, but she's threatening to remove her, her, her music as well, too, if she owns it. I'm not sure that she actually owns it because of when she came out and all the deals and stuff were out. But nonetheless, she's threatened to remove her stuff out there for, in the beginning was misinformation is why she was threatening to remove her, her, her things from Spotify. Then from that, it moved to, well, Spotify doesn't pay me enough off of my streams, but they're paying Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars over these next 10, seven years or so forth. And then it turned into, well, Jogan, Joe Rogan, Jogan, Joe Rogan yeah. used the, uh, the N word with the hard R in, in multiple episodes, um, throughout his podcast. And so now they got to take those down. So there's all kinds of things out there, but yes, Joe Rogan out there in his controversy, as far as using the hard R, he's come out and apologized for it and so forth. Um, but Joe Rogan's in hot water again. Amanda, what are your thoughts on this whole Joe Rogan fiasco? Well, if that's what you want to call it. Well, f- my first thought is that I'm hearing about so many podcasts that I never knew existed. Uh, and they, and the only reason that I'm hearing about them is because they're withdrawing from Spotify in protest of Joe Rogan's comments. So what I thought we could do to get more publicity is we could withdraw our podcast from Spotify in protest of other artists withdrawing their podcast from Spotify yes. in protest of Joe Rogan. Yes. I think yes. that would help us. Yes. We could boost our show even faster than the, 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 the than, than our current rate. I'm 100% for that. We could do that. So that was my first thought. But more about, you know, the people. Um, all this demonstrates to me, and I know that I, not everyone agrees with me on this, but this just demonstrates how there is never a need for you, if you are not Black, to say the N-word. There is just not. I, it's, it, it's, it's not worth the cost. I can't think of a say, even if you're using it as an example, even if you're, which, which Joe Rogan was doing in, in this clip stream where it's just him doing it after the other, there's just no need for you to do it ever. Um, I'm so square. I'm so square on this that when I listen to music in my car, I don't say it. Like when I sing along <laughs> in my car, I still don't just because like, I just, I just don't know that. Yeah. So there's, so there's, I, there's never any need and it's not, obviously I think that this is overblown and that as we've seen, people are now coming out and jumping on Joe Rogan and saying, you know, he's racist and such and such. And then in response, other people online are pulling up clips of the people who are condemning Joe Rogan saying things that are anti-trans, uh, that are that are racist, that are misogynist, whatever. And it does demonstrate that you can play this game all the way back and it doesn't really help anyone. Yep. Um but I'm yeah, I'm I'm interested in I'm interested to see what happens with this because it is now I think more likely for Spotify to try and terminate their contract with Rogan and just again because of the optics. But A, I don't think they're really able to do that legally. B, I go back to what I said in the last episode about value prop. They have absolutely no reason. People can only get Joe Rogan on Spotify. They can get India Re 
on any other platform, even mm-hmm. if every single major artist withdraws the music. You can get it on every other platform, and usually you do, but you right. go to Spotify for Joe Rogan and all the fringy, crazy podcasts. So, yep. and, and people usually have multiple podcast apps too. So I still, you know, I see him as pretty well insulated from this. And that's a, a testament to um, the, the utility and the benefit of, of having multiple platforms and multiple competitors in the space. Right. Uh, but again, don't, there's no, there's no need ever, ever to say that word. Just don't, don't do it. Uh, for sure. People. Yeah, for sure. And I, I um I, I I caught some flack on 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 t- on the TikToks because of course I decided to troll because somebody who is on he's 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 more of like a sports commentator and so forth and he was like I want to hear your thoughts and he posted a clip of Joe Rogan's apology and um he was like what are your thoughts should we move on should we forgive this I commented this I said not sure why this matters in the world. Um, nonetheless, he shouldn't have apologized. Like, that's what I said. Because those are my legit thoughts. Like, I get one, I I think he shouldn't apologize for multiple reasons. One, this stuff happened a while back. So it's, it's not like this was happening yesterday and so forth. You know, it's to me, it's an empty apology because you're only apologizing because somebody, somebody called you out on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't like apologies like that. So there's no need for it. Secondly, um, you're apologizing to appease people who apologies don't appease. Mm-hmm. Like you, you are apologizing to somebody or to, to to people who will who will who will literally crucify you, regardless of whether or not you come out and admit to it. Because you'll say, "Hey, I'm sorry." So now they're saying, "Oh, yeah, you you realize that that what you did was wrong." So we need to go for, go even further or whatnot, and and. Like you were saying earlier, it was a, okay, so they pulled those episodes down in which he's used that, but now it's like, a, oh, well, he's got more episodes where he's speaking out against the LGBTQ plus community, so we need to take those down. He's got more episodes where he's talking about this, that, yeah, so we need to take those down. And so you, whether or not we feel like an apology is a mission of guilt, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, you shouldn't have to apologize for that. And then thirdly, you didn't do anything. I mean, you said the N word, but if we're really going to talk about context and, and, and what's being said, how many of those people who have actually gotten mad at Joe Rogan have gone back and listened to the clips in which he actually said it? Like, he's, and he's, he's talking, people who, who listen to our podcast probably know who Michael Malice is. He's talking to Michael Malice. And Michael Malice is like, He's he's this this Russian this Russian guy who is now in America who's an anarcho capitalist and and or he doesn't he doesn't like to term specific things but if you had to term him in something that's the group that he would be in um if we're being real um and they're they're, they're discussing things in the in the context of which he's using the examples like he's not calling somebody a hard R or anything like that it's it's not coming out in the racist term and you're you're out here blaming these things. And so that was my thought process. That's been my whole thought process. And it's like, okay, whatever. This does not affect my daily life. So so why why does it matter to me for me to deviate from the platform in which I use to talk about it? And which is why I was frustrated with this, with this guy on TikTok. It's like, you don't talk about these issues. You don't at all. So why all of a sudden now are you trying to bait people into coming to view your channel because of this Joe Rogan thing. Like you're just trying to hop on the bandwagon and so forth. 
and he calls himself sports fluid. And I was like, well, let's talk about it. Let's be more fluid in this conversation if you if you really want to talk about it. So I, I was frustrated, but I made that. Somebody responded, of course, not knowing that I am a person of color, that I am legit black, and that I, whether I use the word or not, I'm allowed to use the word, okay? Not sure if everybody out there knows, black people are allowed to say the N-word. I don't use it. I don't say it because of where it's derived from and so forth and all these things. And as far as now, if I, now where the word has truly been derived from, I will use that term, but that's negus. Like, like that's completely different. That is form of royalty and kings and queens. Like that's what that is. Not, not the N-I part. So I don't use that, but I got called, Hey, somebody, somebody said, Hey, we found a supremacist here. Cause I feel like he didn't need to apologize. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that I was a supremacist here. Maybe I'm for black supremacy, I guess. Maybe you're not aware of that. Like, okay, you know what? I am for bettering black people. You're right, 100%. And then somebody said that um, that I needed to educate myself and that they wouldn't expect a hick person like me to understand. Hashtag BLM. And I was just like, oh, okay, I guess, guess my life matters too. Yes, you're right. My life does matter. And I was like, and of course, I'm in my trolling phase. So I just put laughing emojis and I'm like, because what you're saying means absolutely nothing. You're not throwing out any points as to why he should apologize and so forth. You're just, you're attacking me because I've got a picture of our podcast and my, and my, um, my, my handle is straight and capping. Like, let's be real. So, uh, you have no idea what I, what I'm talking about. It's like, oh yeah. Uh, and then somebody, oh, I'm, and he responded, well, I'm glad that I could educate your medial self. Well, now he didn't use self. He used some different words. Words that I don't use and so forth. And I'm just like, all right, dude, again, laughing emojis. Ha, 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 ha. Don't think you're not getting any, any sort of thing. I mean, didn't know that I was a supremacist. Didn't know that I was remedial. I didn't know that you had to be remedial in order to me in order to read all these books that I like to read about things. I don't know. I, I guess my my ACT scores and my master's degrees and stuff show me that I'm remedial. I guess I am. I don't know. But, it, but it's it's this trolling phase, like whatever, guys. You know, it's this is stuff that doesn't matter in my in, in the grand scheme of things. Joe Rogan is still going to be rich. I'm still going to enjoy listening to him because he's a he has a great podcast. He's a great MMA commentator. He brings on he brings on voices that that he disagrees with. He brings on voices that he agrees with. Talks about anybody and everybody else. So I'm like it, in the grand scheme of things, this is this is nothing. That but water off my back that I just move forward and say, okay, Joe Rogan, keep doing what you're doing, man. Just don't use the N-word and all is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I'm, I'm thinking now it, it's good that we both have plausible deniability about the various <laughs> things that we say under the banner of civil discord. <laughs> but I'm only imagining like getting pegged for some of your comments on Instagram. <laughs> Like I get nominated for some Senate, you know, for some presidential position. I'm at the Senate. They, they're pulling up all the Instagram posts. I've never seen this in my life, sir. I promise you, this is from my co-host. That would be hysterical. But right. yeah, I, I yep, yep. you know, I, I think this is, it's, it's one of those things that you know, people are going to, are going to jump onto. They're going to latch onto. And, you know, in, in the in the last analysis, you can play you can play this game for every single person. I know somebody did a mashup yep. of the Young Turks, where it's it's essentially exactly the same thing. Where it's it's and again, they're using it. They're using the they're they're using the hard R, 
and yep. it's and they're using it to talk about either they're quoting people or they're using it as an example of you know of right. slurs. So mm. you you can do this all day. I don't know why yeah. you want to, but you can. We'll be here all day, and no. it is what it is. But speaking of being here all day, waiting in line, doing all kinds of things, this truck convoy again that we talked about um, last week uh, has 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 done nothing but grow and grow and grow. And um, GoFundMe came out and said, hey, we are, because that, that is how these truckers started. There was about three or four of them and so forth. They actually spoke to um, some people at, at, at Blaze Media, uh, started about four or five of them, and it just grew and grew and grew. And so they raised over $10 million to support themselves while they're pretty much going on strike um, via GoFundMe. And GoFundMe, Cut it off because it said that um, at first it was like, "Hey, we're looking into this, and if this doesn't fit um, our things, we're going to we're going to stop the funding of this." And then they said they had some police in the area say, "Oh, well, there's some violence surrounding this," and so they, and so that was their way of saying, "Okay, hey, we got to stop it because there's violence surrounding this." Although uh, they didn't stop any of the BLM stuff when all the violence was happening two years ago, um, but hey, it is what it is. So um, they 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 cut it off, but they said in their original statement, they said that they were going to find because they had raised all this money, they were going to find charities that they deemed worthy of receiving this money, not giving the people their money back. No, they said they were going to take that money, which was deemed to go towards this cause, towards this specific charity, and they said no. It's going to go to something else. Well, of course, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Go fraud me. But of course, they um they they caught a lot of flack. And I'm talking like they people calling, sending in emails, all kinds of things. People reporting them, and they had to put out another statement saying, "Hey, as a cure for deliberation, we decided to actually refund everybody's money." They literally said. No need for you guys to report this or, or send any more emails or requests or anything like that. We're going to give you your money back. So um, quite interesting turn of events um, with GoFundMe and so forth. Um, but nonetheless, this trucking convoy is still tr- um, trudging along, uh, trucking along, pun intended, um, with, with what their intentions are. I mean, because if there's not one platform, another platform is going to come up and, and, and for the money. And I know of one specific organization that I support on a regular basis, Black Guns Matter, they have said, we're no longer going to use GoFundMe because of what they're doing with this truck convoy. So I think GoFundMe is actually going to hurt themselves in the long run when it comes to things like this. But Amanda, your thoughts on this whole trucker convoy, everything that's going on with that? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I, I, I have to point out the fact that Ladies and gentlemen, the, the workers have seized the means of production. <laughs> they are driving across the winterlands of Mother Canada, and they are coming to Parliament Hill. And we are, we are absolutely we are ignoring the fact that there has been an uprising. Yeah, so, so you, have, you have the workers to seize the means of production. You had everything that, that you would typically look for in, in a proletarian-style revolution, mm. right? You have the truckers rising up and refusing to work. And, you know, no, 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 no. When when I said workers of the world unite, I meant unite under the state. That's what I meant. Mm, I meant. Yes. Yeah. So there's, 
there's that. I just, I, I, I want people to make that palpably clear because it, it tickles me so much. Um, the, a few things. So yes, GoFundMe did remove, uh, this, this convoy from, from their platform at the request of the police. And the police even tweeted out a thank you, which I don't think helped anyone in that situation. Uh, you had people posting Mitchell and Webb gifts where David Mitchell is saying, oh, I'll be the baddies. So yeah, <laughs> yes, you are the baddies. Um, at the same time, uh, the trucker convoy was rerouted. I'll see what I did there. Rerouted to Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go has been under a denial of service attack um, since then. And so it's very touch and go in terms of getting donations. Uh, but one of the reasons that, that, uh, GoFundMe was so quick <laughs> to change, uh, to, to change their policy on donating to alternative charis- charities versus refunding is that every time a user or a, do- a donor contacts their bank and asks for a refund, that charges $15 to GoFundMe. So they were getting, they were getting their butts kicked in that regard. Um, at the same time, there have also been truckers in the U.S. trying to organize their own protest uh, and and route to Capitol Hill, which looks very interesting. I'm following that. Um, I mean, I'm kind of I'm watching for developments on that. Uh, their Facebook group was kicked off of Facebook, and they have obviously they have moved to other platforms. They've moved to Getter. They've moved to Discord what have you. So I just want to say now, for the record, <laughs> if this DC trucker convoy is successful, and I mean, insofar as it happens, I don't want to hear any more about how Facebook is a public utility, because these people were removed from Facebook, and they are still managing to organize themselves, all right? Yep. So no more talk about regulating Facebook as a public utility. We're done with that conversation. All right, comrades. So, <laughs> yeah, with, with that said, I, uh, you know, it's it's interesting how little this is being covered in other in other facets of the press. Um, mm-hmm. If you break things down versus very, you know, very online people versus people who mostly get their news from, you know, the, the local paper or right. our national corporate press, uh, there's not a lot of reporting on this. Um, I can only imagine why. That said, you know, this is, this is a protest. This is a protest and People have the right to petition their government. Well, in the U.S., you have the right to petition your government for redress right. of grievances. Canada is a little bit fuzzier on what they allow their people to do. But again, this this is a worker uprising. This is the worker uprising you wanted. And you know what? Exactly. I support it, too, because I support workers getting what they, you know, I, I support people's right to to fight for the benefits that they want. And, you know, obviously there's some disagreement on means there, but right. I, think, I think this is fantastic. You know, power to the people. For sure. And I, I, a, a couple of points from, from at least from, from my standpoint. Um, one, as far as this U.S. convoy, uh, I'll be honest, I wish that they would go towards, to, they would go to specific states mm. and not necessarily to D.C. Just because yeah. they, it, it, 
the states are the the states are the are the real corporate are, are the real the excuse me the real um, aggressors here. You're right. Whatnot, um, especially you know when when you have you know specific presidents saying, "Hey, I'm gonna leave it up to the states and so forth, this out or the other," which is fine. So I want them to attack Sacramento. I want them to attack. I mean, Austin, Texas is not really shut down, but I mean go to their capitals as far as in Maryland and in New York City and and and, and all of those areas because those are the areas that are truly affecting people's lives. And then you will truly see how the backbone of the supply chain is their truckers. Is the the backbone is truckers. I guess be real. And I think that is what um Canada is starting to realize and why Justin Trudeau decided to actually leave and go into hiding. But my the, the other point I want to bring up is it's it's so crazy how people always expect some sort of political change to happen when people are active, when people are actively actively participating in politics, as opposed to doing something else to shift the the culture as far as things go. So, excuse me. So in, instead of in, instead of they saying. Oh, hey, you got to vote. We got to vote these morons out and so forth. These truckers are saying, no, we're not voting anybody out. We're going to do something different. We're not going to actively. Exactly. We're going to change our culture within trucking and say, hey, guys, we're going to work together. Let's do this. Let's impact our culture because it's, it's not a it's it's not a necessarily a political thing. It's a hey, stop trying to force me to get something that, that, that I don't want to get like that's. That's what they're really doing. And, and, and I love that. I think it's a great thing. I think it just it goes to show that you that voting is not the only way to change people's minds and that a, a, a legit real protest. And, and I'm I'm not knocking people who want to get in the streets and march. I'm not at all. OK, I'm saying that does absolutely nothing. Um, that's what I'm saying. So. We, I mean, even when you talk about stuff that was happening in, um, unless you were literally going to blockade and have people and like, when I say blockade, I don't mean police are setting up areas because you're requesting to go protest. And so they know what you're going and it's plenty of time. I, I mean, like, no, you were literally got thousands of people in the middle of the road. You were halting traffic. You were literally in the middle of the road. Like that is, that is effective type of protesting. And, and that that is what they are doing in Canada. And so these are things that you can actually do to force change in in your government to change the culture, because you will see people who are up, who are rising up to to say, hey, this is what I'm this is what I'm going to do. The buck stops here. The buck stops with me. And 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 then and then we can move forward. However, I see fit not, and not however you see fit as a government and so forth. So. I like that. Canada, truckers, keep doing what you're doing. Um, Joe Rogan, keep doing what you're doing. Truckers in the United States, keep doing what you're doing, um, except for make sure you go to states and not just D.C., and I will support you 100%. As a libertarian, there are a lot of people who I know that are truckers. Yeah. Um, they, they, they have their own podcast. They, um, I run in a lot of circles with a lot of them. I run into, and so, in circles with a lot of them. And they they are saying the same things that that I'm saying. As a matter of fact, I'm stealing a lot of their ideas as far yeah. as not going to D.C., going to specific cities 
because the states are the ones who are actually um, being the aggressors as far as all these lockdowns and mandates and, and, and things are concerned outside of the, this federal mandate that, that Joe Biden has on, on health care workers. So, yeah, which, um, again, doesn't affect the truckers. In Canada, it does because there is right. a mandate that says, you know, to get in and out of the country, you either have to be vaccinated or you need to uh, quarantine for two weeks. A lot of these truckers, by the way, it's worth pointing out, are vaccinated. And we don't recognize that in many places, the norm is to be pro-vaccine anti-mandate. That is, that is the norm. Um, and, and these truckers, a lot of them are no different. Uh, and yeah, I think you make, you bring up a good point with the need to concentrate these things in states. First of all, it's, uh, it's easier to organize. It's also easier, um, just, just in terms of, of logistics and, you know, it, actually can make an impact. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, and it's more than just, you know, clogging up the streets, right? Because these, these people are holding up the supply chain. That's mm-hmm. why there's pressure on the government and, and provinces in Canada have changed some of their restrictions. They've removed for certain taxes that they're imposing on yep. people who are not vaccinated. So, I attribute this not just to people being in the streets, but people who are, you know, holding up the supply chain. Right. Uh, so, you know, it might get worse before it gets better. Um, yeah. But it's it's an interesting one to follow for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, there's something coming out of California, your great state, the People's Republic of California, that uh, um, is getting ready to host a Super Bowl. In mm-hmm. spite of all the COVID mandates, which is so surprising, because I I'm almost positive the NFL is not going to show a bunch of people in masks. Um, uh, no, but they're going to make them hold their hold their breath while they play, and then also hold masks uh, in their left hand because this okay. is what Gavin with the good hair did. This is what Eric Garcetti did, and and they uh, both working uh, with them. Yeah. Uh, so, w- what is happening, or what is not happening in California? Uh, well, in California, so the Super Bowl, I guess, is still happening. I, I, I assume many people heard about the, the debacle with Gavin with the good hair being caught multiple times without a mask on. And he said, you know, well, I was very judicious, very judicious. I uh, had my mask, as you see, I have a mask in my, in my left hand. And there's this picture of him with this crap-eating grin on his face, not drinking any water, not posing for any pictures, just watching the game with the... And and he's got you know he's got his mask nowhere nowhere <laughs> actually it is hanging right. in in his hand but and then Eric Garcetti says that he held his breath while he was taking a picture with Magic Johnson which is which is uh, special um, there is smiling a, yeah grinning um, there <laughs> is a positive development though that's come out of California which is the fact that California had proposed. Um, a single payer health system, which uh, that that is a misnomer that I find very irksome because it's not single payer; it's it's the taxpayers pay for it. It's everyone pays. That's the point, right. and everyone would pay to such an extent that it would double state taxes. It would double one hundred percent more it, just to fund what I call shitty cheese sandwich healthcare. <laughs> now. The reason that I call it shitty cheese, shitty cheese sandwich healthcare, uh, goes back to uh, when I was in elementary school. My this is a different elementary school story. Um, my 
when you didn't have lunch money, uh, what you had to do was you had to get what was called a biteable. Okay. And the biteable consisted of, uh, six bread triangle slices, allegedly. They were kind of spongy. And then these cardboard-esque cheese rectangles. And that was your biteable. And that was your, that was to provide lunch for people who didn't have lunch money. And there was this great stigma, this great shame about having to go back. It was awful. And then go back and grab the biteable. But the point is that when people are debating about universal health care or a single payer system, right, where you sort of obliterate the private market, you people often talk about affordable quality health care. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to have affordable quality health care too. I don't think that a state system, a taxpayer funded system is the way to get there. First of all, because it's not affordable. Okay. I, I would be paying more for this than I would be paying for a private plan. That's the first thing. The right. second thing is that it's not quality. It is shitty. You right. sandwich healthcare. It is in order to cut costs. It is the lowest quality type of plan. It is rationed. It is, it is not tasteful. It is not, you know, it's, it's not individualized. So these are not solutions that are a sustainable for any individual they're not cost effective again i would be paying more <laughs> i would be paying more for this plan than i would be if i were to go on on the on the private market and get a new healthcare plan um and i would be getting a better healthcare plan i would be getting more perks um so i was happy to see this bill not pass ultimately although my hopes are not particularly high for the overall future in in terms of, I feel like if any state is going to try to experiment with a single payer system, which granted they can, they're laboratories of democracy, right? I just want to be long gone. I want to be long out of the state when that happens. Uh, so, you know, give it a little bit of time at least. Uh, I, when, when I was reading the story and I saw it in there, I was just like, of all states to to like for, for this to kind of fail, you would imagine that California would be the last ones for for this to actually work. I mean, because and and one because I you see, I mean, I, it's pretty much Democrat. You know, Democrats run the state, which I mean, I, I don't care whether you're red or you're blue in, in in that sense, but Democrats mainly run the state, and so you would assume by the way that people are being the the way that the media portrays Democrats that most of them would be on board. I feel like this, I mean, this is a win because it realizes, because you realize that not all Democrats are crazy. Mm -hmm. Not all Democrats are are crazy leftists who believe in some crazy universal healthcare that, that is going to double the taxes of people in their, in their state. Like California is already an expensive state to live in. They already take, I, I mean, an, I don't know. They you have the federal income tax, and then you have to pay the federal taxes, and then you have to pay your state income tax, which I don't know what percentage that is. I mean, but it's it's more money than what I than what Texas takes out of my check, which is zero. And so, uh, just doing all that, and then for them to say like, "Look, okay, we can't double this." I mean, I think I think the article that, that I read it said they spend nearly their budget, or they typically on they're on track to spend like five hundred seventeen billion dollars. 
And so in this alone would cost over $300 billion. So more than half of what you're already spending, it's you would come up with a budget that's close to a trillion dollars a year as far as how you're spending. That's a lot of money, people. I know I've said this before and I'll say this again. I'm teaching, I'm, I'm, I, I teach my class, I tell my classes all the time. I've, I've been teaching to them. I have barely lived a billion seconds, okay? A billion seconds, one billion is 32, over, it's over 32 years. So I've, I've lived over 32 years of my life on this earth. One trillion seconds, it takes you over 31,000 years to live one trillion seconds. It's closer to 31,783 years. Like, if you put, like, when you put that into context, like, like, that's a lot of money to be spending for a state. Now, granted, um, the, uh, California has one of the largest uh, economies in the world. Like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, that they can't afford those things or whatnot. Oh, they can. Spending a trillion dollars, like, they, they literally can't. A trillion dollars, that's a lot of money to be adding another $300 billion to your budget is ridiculous. And I'm glad that this didn't make it to the assembly, that I'm glad that he realized he didn't have the 41 votes that he needed to, to make this happen. It was, it was great. It was great. I love it. Thank you, California. One of the few times where I can say thank you, California, for not being California. Like, I appreciate it. More offense to those out there in the People's Republic of California. No, it's fine. I'm trying listening. to put an exodus over here, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm trying to escape. There aren't enough U-Hauls. Yeah, U-Hauls yeah, are no, too expensive to move out. Got to wait for a little bit to get those U-Hauls back. No, California is... It, the other thing that, that's hysterical, California was uniquely horrible at their COVID health response. So yes. the idea... That, I mean, that was a perfect example, a, a microcosm that became a, a huge macro uh, catastrophe. It, it, was a, it was a microcosm of what you could expect if the state of California took the reins on every aspect of healthcare, right? And you, and you wouldn't do this. I mean, California was ranked almost last in the nation for weeks on end in terms of vaccine rollout even though there, there was they had a year to get this infrastructure in place. California is notorious for having, for, for botching various spending programs and having it go to fraudsters and, and people who, who are not deserving of various types of state aid. You also, you wouldn't do this for anything else. And this is a larger point about single payer, but, or taxpayer funded healthcare. You wouldn't think about doing this for, for a grocery store, right? I mean, like imagine, being told you can only go to a certain grocery store and you can only spend a certain amount of money on a certain type of food. You wouldn't do this for anything else. Why on earth would you do it with, with the most critical thing for people and, and the most individualized thing for people, which, which is their, which is their health care? Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, I, I, it is it's this this concept of of hey it's 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 that that sunk cost fallacy or the gamblers i'm sorry gamblers fallacy of hey i'm already in something's got to change i got to keep going i got to keep going got to keep going something's got to change something's got to change something's got to change i mean and it it is for some reason i mean people just it's it is just 
man, I don't get it. And and which which takes us in, into the last thing that I think we want to we really want to hone in and spend some time on, um, because we, we want to talk about Amanda has it in, in in the notes. It's it's COVID policy versus a reality check. And and as soon as I read that, I was like, yes, because I completely forgot about this study that just came out. And so I you know just came out by by. Uh, and it was out by John Hopkins. Okay, so the same study that the, the same the same people, the same scholars, the same experts that everybody likes to refer back to when COVID first you know um, came out. These were the same experts that talked about you know two weeks to slow the spread, and um and and this is what we, this is everything we have to do. They they didn't use that specific um scaling model as far as potential deaths or whatnot. But these are the people who who everybody claims are the experts. Okay. Now you guys will bear with me because I'm going to read this. I'm just going to read the abstract abstract of this study, and then we'll talk about it. So it says that, so. This is the abstract for those of you who don't know what an abstract is. I'm not trying to to say that you were dumb or anything like that. I just want to make sure that all listeners are aware of what an abstract is. An abstract is pretty much just a summary of the study. It is at the very beginning. So instead of you reading. I think this this is 62 pages. So instead of you having to go through and read 62 pages, it will summarize how um, what what the the findings actually were. And then when you go through and you actually read the study, you can see how they came to these specific findings and so forth. So um, let me read through this really quick. It says this systematic review and meta analysis are designed to determine whether there is empirical evidence to support the belief that lockdowns reduce COVID-19 mortality. So do lockdowns actually reduce the rates of people dying from COVID-19? Lockdowns are defined as, as the imposition of at least one, just one, one compulsory non-pharmaceutical intervention, which, what they, which they term as NPI. NPIs are government mandates that directly restrict people's possibilities, such as the policies that limit internal movement, Close school, schools and businesses and ban international travel. This study employed a systematic search and screening procedure in which 18,509 studies are identified that could potentially address the belief posed. After three levels of screening, 34 studies ultimately qualified. Of those 34 eligible, um, of those 34 eligible studies, 24 qualified for inclusion. In the meta-analysis, they were separated into three groups, lockdown stringency indexes and index studies, sorry, shelter-in-place studies, and then specific MPI studies. An analysis of each of these three groups support the conclusion that lockdowns had little to no effect on COVID mortality. Little to no effect. For those of us who like statistics, that what this is saying is, Lockdowns had a statistically insignificant effect on COVID-19 mortality. Okay. More specifically, stringency index studies find that lockdowns in Europe and the United States only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% on average. Again, statistically insignificant. 0.2% on average. Um, SIPOs were also ineffective, only reducing the COVID mortality by 2.9% on average. Again, 
um, SIPOs was, was a shelter in place orders. And then specific MPI studies also found no broad based evidence of notable, noticeable effects on COVID-19 mor- mortality. While this meta analysis concluded that lockdowns had little, had little to no public health effects, they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have, where they have been adopted. I'm going to read that again. Okay. While this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effects, they have, ha- they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. From John H- Johns Hopkins University, I'm sorry, Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, in the study of business enterprise. Whew, goodness, y'all better preach. And Johns Hopkins get real based right now. I mean, because they're also, really are, they're, they're the people who are behind the studies that were showing, you know, that, uh, that, that, that we talked about last week, that talk about natural immunity, um, mm-hmm. being effective for as long as we've been studying natural immunity, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they're, they're the people who have been doing these studies as well. And so, yeah, Johns Hopkins is coming out and, uh, and producing these studies that I think a lot of people have been discussing this for a long time, but it's worth pointing out. Um, and it's also worth pointing out, I was looking at some numbers because over the past couple of weeks, I haven't heard much about COVID deaths. I mean, I've heard talking points, but I haven't heard any new screaming and wailing and gnashing of teeth, which is really what I'm all about. So I, so I wanted to look, look at some data because I had a hunch. Now, back at the start of all of this, people were comparing SARS-CoV-2 with the flu, which was stupid in terms of death rates because COVID deaths, at least deaths with COVID, and, and I think probably if you looked at deaths from COVID too, were higher than flu deaths. So that was kind of dumb. The one similarity, however, is that both are coronaviruses, right? So we do have some kind of inbred natural immunity or rather natural response, natural immune response to both uh, the flu and COVID and any other coronavirus. Uh, doesn't mean it's not deadly. However, I was <laughs> looking at some data just today and COVID is now at this point as deadly as the flu. Um, it's so I found a couple different studies, one or one was in, in the Telegraph and one was uh, in the, let's see, yeah, that was in the mail. And both of them place COVID kind of in the middle of what we would tend to expect from an average flu season. This should not be surprising because at this point, almost everyone has been either vaccinated from or for COVID or had COVID or both. Uh, so even when we have new variants, as we've found, both vaccines and natural immunity hold up really well in terms of reducing severity. Just like you can get the flu multiple years because you're going to get a different strain. Your body right. does have that innate response. And so the rate at which people tend to die from the flu is really, really low. Uh, now, the one difference is that COVID has always been less deadly to children than the flu. Uh, so I was looking at some statistics in terms of COVID infection fatality rate per age group. For children, 
basically for children up to 18, it is so minuscule that we, we can barely measure it. For ages one to four, we're talking 81 in 1 million. So it's 0.00081% infection fatality rate. And again, we don't know whether these are, these are measured as deaths with or deaths of. Um, for ages 5 to 14, 0. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. You said 81 in 1 million. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just, just an, an IFR of 81 in 1 million. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But that's just one to four. So ages five to 14, 0.0011%. Ages 15 to 24, 0.0048%. And these are infection fatality rates. And again, I'm not sure whether they're looking at with versus of. Ages 25 to 44, that me. All right. So I am between the ages of 25 and 44. Me too. Uh, that, yep. That would be 0.031%. Ages 45 to 64.18%. Ages, ages 65 to 74.82%. Uh, ages 75 plus, which is where you get to about the, the, the life expectancy, the average life expectancy. Uh, when you go close to or above the average life expectancy, then you start to see 3.1% infection fatality rate. So obviously, this is much, much deadlier. For and that's over the course, the, the entire course of, of COVID nineteen. Obviously, this is much deadlier for older people than it is for younger people. Unlike the flu, which is kind of where you see this U shaped curve, right? Um, and also, older people though are not generally the people who are working. Older people, seventy five plus, are generally not people who are in elementary schools or teaching in elementary schools. Uh, and again, this measures infection fatality rate over the entire course of COVID-19. So this includes infection fatality rate pre-vaccines. We yep. also know that people who die from COVID at any age tend to have multiple comorbidities, multiple comorbidities. So more than one, um, you know, obesity, diabetes, chronic lung disease, these types of things. Are and, and for children, you'll you'll hear that pretty much every child who's died has had a comorbidity. Um, so that's kind of where we are. And my state has chosen to make school children wear N95s for six hours. Ain't no way. Yeah, I have thoughts about that. But I mean, you know, you think about this, this is this is mad government energy where you have you you tell kids, or you tell parents of kids, you know, for two years, the kids have got to be in, in masks and a cloth mask is going to work. And so a lot of kids are going to be in cloth masks. Okay. And then a study comes out. And they say, hey, what's up? Um, so cloth masks have never actually <laughs> worked. Sorry about that. But even while that is true, Children have been statistically unaffected by the virus itself, statistically unaffected. Now, the response to that has not been, oh, wow, well, I guess they spent two years wearing these ineffective masks and still didn't die or even get hugely sick. Let's maybe 
have them not wearing masks. Their response is instead, oh no, the masks don't work. Let's make them wear N95s instead. And at this point, you know, it, it's it's kind of sickening. I've started saying that that masks for kids because they do have a soporific effect and they do kind of make kids more muted. Just, just really tragic to me. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like they're the new ADHD medication. Mm. Like, let's let's just let's get these kids to just sit down and calm down and not talk. And and this is this is a way to do that. Yeah. Um. So it's it's scary because I don't know that this is so far removed from any scientific validity at this point that I don't. I don't see schools backtracking from it without, you know without parents saying enough is enough. Right. I, I, it's, this is one of those, like, and I love saying it. I love saying it. I told you so moments. It is literally, I told you so moments. Um, between this Johns, Johns Hopkins, Hopkins study and, and, and us actually looking at the infection, infection fatality rates of, of everybody. Um, just kind of saying like, hey, you know, if in the very beginning, when the world is exposed to something new, it is going to have, it's going to start off at a, at a high rate of death as what we would seem because we're, because we're only going based off of how many people were testing versus the deaths. Like that's what we're looking at. We're not understanding that how easily transmissible is this specific virus and so forth? Because if it's easily transmissible and we, let's say we have three people, 10 people in the room, three people die. Like, oh my gosh. Like, like, like it's, it's, it, it's high. Like you would think like three, three or five people. Cause we've only tested those five people. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, no, all 10 people had it. You're like, okay, well that's 30%. If you scale that out three to a hundred, you only tested 25, like, oh, three and 25 people die. Like, man, that's a lot. Which is like, no, three and a thousand people die because a thousand people have had this. And so, which is what people were saying in the very beginning. And now we're like, no, you're crazy. The, um, what is it? the, uh, Johnny, um, oh man, he's the, uh, he's the guy out of Stanford, Johnny Anitas. Johnny Anitas, yeah. Yes. He was coming out with studies saying like, hey, more people have actually had this virus than we think. So this whole um, infection fatality rate is actually going to be lower than what you actually think it is because more people have had it and so forth. But people called you crazy way back when, when that study came out. People called us crazy way back when, when we said, you cannot just turn off the economy. You, you are going to have a huge impact on the economy by just telling businesses they can't open. You're going to have people who are going to go into massive debt. You're going to have people who go into who 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 go into depressions. You're going to have businesses that do not open back up. Yelp came out with a study over a year ago that literally said, "Hey, people, the, I think I think it was like 50 percent of the businesses that were on Yelp were not going to make it through this. 50 percent. That is a lot of businesses. It's a lot of small businesses." That we're sitting there locking 
that, that were sitting there telling them they can't open up because of this. And then you have people who are saying, no, you still have to open up because I, it is my business. I know the business that that literally defied the lockdowns and so forth. And my wife and I were driving by the other day and I was like, hey, hey, that's the bar that we went to, you know, when, when they, they were ignoring all the mandates and this, that, or the other. I was like, what happened to them? She said, they closed down. And I was like, that's a shame. That's sad because they could not survive because they had to shut down for two months. Now, granted, uh, do you, uh, are there possibly some financial issues with that? You're running a risk of being in a restaurant because you have low margins. Like, I, like, like that is a risk that you're willing to take, but you're also not betting on the government saying you can't operate for two months. You're not, you, you're like, like, those aren't things, those are outliers. And here we are again today. It is February of 2022 saying, I told you so. Like, people aren't going to recover from this, but yet, I, they try to make me out to be a villain because, oh, you're not wearing your mask. You, blah, 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 blah. You're not doing this. And I'm like, no, I was not the one advocating for people being locked in their homes. I was not the one advocating for you to shut, shut businesses down, tell, tell people, hey, they can't earn the living, and you're giving them here in the United States some, some levels of unemployment or whatnot, and some, some, uh, what I can't, I forgot what they called them. Uh, your, 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 um, the, the 14, no, not the people, but the $1,400 or $700 oh, that we were the getting. Stimulus checks. Yeah, you're stimulus. It's not, you're not stimulating anything because businesses aren't open. Yes. Um, and now we're feeling the, we're feeling the effects of the helicopter money because all the prices and stuff are going up. And yet you look at me like I'm crazy. Because I'm telling you that th- that this is exactly what's going to happen. You can call me Nostradamus Jones because I predicted this two years ago. I literally said, "Here's what's going to happen: you're going to have an effective an effective fatality for t- for rate that is going to be very low because of all this because of this that was going on. You're going to have inflation start to cause prices to go up, and then you're going to be mad because you're not making enough money. And then it's going to be proven that you can't that the economy is not just some light switch that you can turn." on and off. And now all of a sudden, it's like a, oh, well, Maurice was right again. My wife will tell you this all the time. I am right 99% of the time. The other 1% of the time, I was mistaken. Like, I mean, for being real, listen to people who are actually knowledgeable in things and don't just listen to your experts who are fed to, re- to, fed to feed you lines to keep you happy. You're like being lions in cages, You're like being tigers in cages where people fear you, but they don't fear you because all we have to do is give it a slice of meat and then we can go in there and be best friends. And you don't know how lethal you are because you're not like these truckers who are pulling up a freaking convoy in Canada saying enough is enough. You're not like these truckers in the U.S. who are saying, hey, enough is enough. We're going to protest. We're going to literally halt your supply chain until you literally do what we demand you to do. But no, you listen to your so-called experts. You listen to Fauci, who is the highest paid government official that we have. And it is ridiculous. You listen to all these people who are feeding you these lines, these Brian Stelters of the world, and these um, Rachel Madcows, and all these Branch Covidians. You're listening to all these people who are really giving you wrong information. And it's been two years now that they have been wrong over and over and over again, yet we're still listening to them. And I don't get it. It is so frustrating. I don't understand why I still people see why I still see people walking around in cloth masks at a school. Like, 
What? What are you talking about? Like, I, am I taking crazy pills here? I've got to be taking crazy pills. Because this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And and this is where Amanda and I differ on a, on, on, on one of the things. Amanda <laughs> is very civil in these in, in these in these altercations. She is civil. She is, hey, I'm like, no, you're stupid. And I will continue to call you stupid because you call me that, whatever, and you do not care. I will, I'm not going to let you survive any of this. I'm going to refer back to each and every time where you called me crazy and you said I didn't know what I was talking about. And now time after time, study after study is coming out and saying, oh, Nostradamus Jones is right again. He called it. That's my new nickname, Nostradamus. I dig it. Sorry. I dig it. No, I mean, like we got, we got straight ANCAP and we got Notorious BLG and now we have Nostradamus Jones. It's fantastic. I dig it. Yes. Yeah. But uh, no, you're, it is, it is where we differ. And I think it's why we, why we go well together. Yes. <laughs> because, no, but I, I mean, I get angry too. I get, you know, mm. I think I've said before, I'm angry for myself. I'm sad for myself. Yes. I'm heartbroken for for kids. I'm heartbroken mm. for undergraduates. And mm. at some point, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, it, to what extent do I want to continue to, to implicitly, you know, to, to what extent, um, you know, is, is, does being in California, does, does remaining in certain institutions sanction this? Um, and I think it's, it's a, it's a difficult question, uh, that I, that, Certainly, I'm confronted. So, yeah. So, but hey, thank you so much. And thank you, Amanda, for listening to my rants. I Sorry. love it. I love it. So much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you guys so much for, for listening to another um, episode of Civil Discord, um, where Amanda and I agree on a lot of things. And then we diverge at the very end and disagree on, on, on methods as far as how, how we should address people in our, in, in our Discord or whatnot. Amanda thinks civilly. I think. No, I don't let them live. I smell blood and I attack. So, um, but uh, if you like us, please, please, please leave us a five star rating um, on, on on Apple Podcasts. Five star rating review. We know we're worth every single one of those five stars because you get to listen to tirades. You get to um, listen to Amanda plug her books that you will get on the fifth of never. If you want to go ahead and send us in that money, you can. You can hit me up in my Venmo. You can hit me up on Cash App, whatever you want to do. We've, um, we've enabled tips now on the exactly. Discord Twitter. So maybe. Hey. See? Leave us a so, tip. Yeah. You, you, you can do all of those things. Um, but uh, but yes, leave us a five-star rating review. Share the podcast. Share the show wherever you are listening to this and potentially watching this. If you're watching this on YouTube, share it on YouTube. Um, make sure you follow us and subscribe to us there. As we continue to grow this show, um, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I don't, I, I don't do anything on TikTok, so I just troll. But also Instagram at Civil Discord Podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at Civil Discord Pod. You follow um, Amanda on Twitter is Ajax the Griff. Follow me on Instagram. Call me Maurice. Do all of that, and I promise you, we'll be back again with another exciting episode of civil discord until then y'all bees stay fierce